you know, and I definitely appreciate the fact that this younger generation doesn't want a seat at the table. They want to flip the table over. That's Elizabeth Nye, the executive director of Girls Inc. Pacific Northwest. Today, she's here to deliver a powerful message about the critical importance of empowering a generation of girls trying to find their place in a shifting patriarchy and what you can do to help. This is the Super Givers Podcast. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for being on the show. Um, Executive Director of Girls, Inc. Northwest. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so right now we cover Oregon and Washington. Yep. Mm -hmm. But it is part of a bigger organization. It is. Uh, We are the local affiliate of Girls Incorporated, which um, historically is the oldest girl-serving organization in the country. Oh, wow. No, it's funny. I grew up here in Portland, and I had never heard of Girls, Inc. uh, growing up. And when I joined the organization and went through their uh, leadership training, uh, I learned that fact. And I think uh, one of the things that um, often places us in people's minds is that for most of our history, we were known as Girls Clubs of America. Uh, and there was a corresponding boys clubs of America. And back in the 1990s, uh, boys clubs of America officially went co-ed and changed their name to boys and girls clubs of America. And we as a network decided to differentiate and make sure that there was no confusion in the marketplace and we became girls incorporated. Awesome. Well, just before I started recording, you were about to tell me how having a programming arm and an advocacy arm differentiates you a little bit. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that as by way of introduction to Girls Inc, if you would. Yeah, uh, I appreciate that. Our vision is that um, that we are enabling girls to grow up to be economically independent. Um, and um, we approach that part of our vision uh, with direct programming that we offered um, with girls. And at the same time, the second half of our vision is helping to create a more equitable society, which we approach through advocacy. And really, our belief is that it's not enough to work with girls and say nothing about the conditions that they're growing up in the world um, and experiencing, and that we have a responsibility to use our voice on these issues. But I think the thing that I love is also that um, our approach to advocacy is really about helping the girls use their voices on these issues. Yeah, can you say a little bit more about how that actually goes down? I understand it's largely after school programs. Are there other um, access points that you have? Yeah, um, depending on um, the city that we're in. So, for example, uh, in Seattle, the girls access the programming through after school uh, programming at their schools. Um, and in Portland, we have the after school program, but we also have a summer program that is a four week. It's a five-year program, uh, but girls access it through actually um, college campuses. So we bring girls to college campuses and work with them uh, in their communities. So it's, we have two. We have a school-based and a community-based. And what brought you to want to be part of the mission? Oh, sure. Um, I uh, actually grew up uh, and, um, you know, my mother and my grandmother both faced significant barriers to accessing their education. Um, I think my grandmother made it through eighth grade and there really was no sort of expectation that she would go beyond that. Uh, My mother made it through high school um, and really, you know, that was the big achievement. Um, And as a result, my grandmother worked, um, you know, proudly um, as a kitchen aide at a retirement home all the way to 
I think to her death when she was 84. And my mom, um, you know, the first memory I have of her working was as a um, fry cook at the local uh, community college. And she worked her way up to be a secretary. Um, And they um, did absolutely everything in their power to invest in my education. Um, I was the only girl and um, they were really determined to um, see me go further and farther than they had an opportunity to do. Um, and I remember, you know, so I ended up, you know, I'm uh, on my mom's side of the family. I'm the first um, uh, girl to graduate from college, get a master's degree, all of these things. And um, I also had the benefit and the privilege of going to an all girls high school and really um valued, you know, the fact that when you're in those settings, in those all-girl settings, every girl is a leader. You know, every position, every leadership position is held by a girl. Um, And I recognize that, you know, not every girl has access to being able to go to an all-girls high school, um, but in um, a significant way, the work that we do at Girls Inc. and the, um, the programming that we provide is an opportunity for these girls to enter these pro-girl supportive um, spaces that we're creating for girls to really, truly value who they are, um, express themselves in all, all the different ways that girls um, should um, be able to. And um, so that's really what drew me to uh, Girls Inc. nine and a half years ago. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like your at least two parts of your measurement of impact of the work you're doing mm-hmm. is about number one is about can they achieve some level of economic independence mm-hmm. for themselves, and number two is can they just sort of yeah can they really bring their voice to the world? Yes. Can you can you talk more about the importance of those two things? And mm-hmm. I mean they you know when you say them, I don't have any pushback. I'm like, yeah, okay, I can get on board with that, but I'm sure there's some intentionality behind that. There is. Um, you know, I referred to our vision. Um, our mission statement is inspiring girls to be strong, smart, and bold. And uh, from an outcomes perspective, we're really looking at the strong connecting to healthy bodies, the smart connecting to um, academic success and preparation for uh, their future careers And then bold is really the leadership, life skills, personal development. And when we think about, you know, the girls that we're, you know, specifically aiming to serve, and these are girls living in low-income communities, we feel that it intentionally is necessary to be working with the whole girl. And that is why, um, you know, we don't single out, we're not just you know, girls in STEM, we're not just girls in, you know, whatever. Um, This really is a whole package because each girl is a whole package um, and they're going to be needing all of these things to come together um, to set them up on the road for success, for sure. What I will say is that um, I think what we've really come to um, and appreciate is the wrong word, but really deeply understand is that our our culture undermines girls' potential fundamentally. And, um, and that is why, you know, in our programming, everything that we do is compensatory, which means that we are specifically looking at gaps in um, our girls' experiences and looking to fill those gaps, and it's intentional. So, you know, the girls may be in programming, and it's, look, you know, it looks chaotic or hectic because, you know, they're having fun, but there is an, there is an actual intentional objective behind what it is that they're doing. Um, And all of these pieces really have to come together. The other thing that I would add is that we are not a, 
one and done. You know, our goal is to be able to work with girls starting at age eight um, and progress with them through age 18. I want to come back to the 18 piece, Mm -hmm. but I'm so curious to know what are the common gaps that you see that, you know, some of them are are getting more and more traction in in mainstream Mm -hmm. knowledge. Um, but, but I don't want to presume that people know. So if somebody's listening and they're saying, what do you mean? Like, you know, what are the biases and the gaps and everything that you're seeing? Well, so, um, I'm going to put it in the context of, you know, and we get this question a lot, you know, um, all girls experience the things that we're referencing, you know, whether it's harmful messages in the media, you know, so for right now we know, for example, that 78% of 17 year old girls don't like their bodies. And when you think about that and really understand what that means in terms of the fact that, you know, they don't like their bodies, they then translate that into um, not feeling good and not even liking themselves. You've fundamentally wiped out, you know, the core of what is going that they need in order to move through this world. Um, And then it, it also translates into, you know, worrying about what they're looking like taking them away from thinking about what they should be thinking about, which is, you know, their studies, you know, all the things that they should be engaged in because they're, you know, too focused on something that um, is a message that they're getting from society. I'm going to say, though, that really in our focus is on girls living in poverty and and, um, girls of color, that um, we know that these girls experience even greater uh, inequities and the consequences are magnified. So, Um, You know, girls of color are facing hard systemic uh, racism and their challenges are compounded by poverty. So, you know, the two are working together. Um, And frankly, they are being, you know, um, uh, excluded from a lot of the resources and opportunities that they're going to need to succeed. Um, We also know that, um, you know, oftentimes they're growing up in neighborhoods that are um, impacted by violence. They're in under-resourced schools. Um, and they're not getting adequate um, nutrition and health care. So, you know, all of these pieces are working together to really shut them out of the opportunities that are um, necessary for them to get out of poverty and to lead the productive lives that we know that they can lead. Yeah, multi-layered and systemic, right? It is. Um, You know, and you look at it and you're like, okay, girls of color are being um, disproportionately disciplined at school you know, for all sorts of crazy reasons, you know, it's like they don't, you know, um, they don't like the way they talk, they don't, you know, they get um, singled out for things, and then they get pulled out of the classroom. And so then they're facing issues of being able to fully access their education. Um, You know, it's um, all of these things are working together to really uh, push girls uh, away from um, being successful. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like a theme uh, in many of the areas in our world that I run into is we have people who come up with these wonderful missions to affect systems. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious to know how you measure whether or not it's working <laughs> and what have you seen? I mean, I have no doubt you're making positive impact, but I'd love to know what do you look for when that this is what I was getting back to mm-hmm. when, when somebody goes all the way through your program and they're 18, mm-hmm. they become conscious of all this, you know, in yeah. the system. What are you looking for? Yeah, um, Our national um, office has done a tremendous job of really, um, you know, thinking through how to measure the impact of the work that we're doing with girls. And what they have done is, um, 
you know, essentially develop a theory of change about, you know, wanting to address all of the uh, barriers that girls are experiencing, but they've aligned it to our strong, smart, bold. So annually, you know, the way it unfolds at our organization is that annually in the spring, all of our girls um, are asked to participate in a survey. And, um, you know, and of course they can opt out and that's, you know, um, uh, part of the protocol, but they're asked to participate in a survey and that the survey questions are questions that are nationally vetted questions um, that use answer across, you know, all organizations. And um, they align to, again, the strong, smart goals. So we might ask questions like, how many hours of physical activity did you get over the last um, week? You know, and then, uh, you know, with um, on the smart category, we might be looking at, you know, um, uh, what are their uh, educational motivations? Are they on track to graduate from high school? Um, again, depending on the age level, because we have different surveys for different age groups. And then in the bold, it might be things like um, more related to um, questions around um, do they uh, see themselves as a leader, you know, and have they had opportunities for leadership? So all of these questions give us an opportunity to benchmark our um, girls and girls against the national average of girls. So we can look at it and say, for example, you know, girls and girls smoke cigarettes at this rate versus, you know, national girl, you know, girls reported at the national level. And um, it gives us an opportunity to look at the trends and also to say, um, you know, are there areas that we need to improve in? You know, are there areas where all of a sudden we're like, oh my gosh, our girls are not getting enough um, fruits and vegetables. And so we really need to amp up, you know, some nutrition programming in the next year. Hmm. So at the end of the day, you know, what we, you know, I mean, every organization wants to be able to say that their girls, you know, graduated from college or, you know, their youth graduated from college and are now successfully sort of implanted um, in their careers and are, um, you know, on their way. We use indicators for that. So, you know, um, are they on track to graduate? Um, you know, are they planning to go to college? Um, how do they feel about themselves? You know, are they exhibiting the right um, behaviors and attitudes around their health and nutrition, et cetera? All right. It sounds like you're really trying to access when you said the whole girl mm -hmm. it's not just the the performance in the world it's also the self-efficacy and self-image and for me honestly yeah. like I, you know I, you know as an organization we care about all of them but personally that's the one that i am most passionate about like you know because it starts there fundamentally if a girl likes who she is that opens all of the doors um but if she doesn't it's, you know, the doors start closing and um, we really need girls um, fundamentally to uh, believe in themselves, believe in the power that they have um, and know that they have a place in this world. Mm -hmm. um, I will say that um, we one of the things that we do when we're entering a new community is that we'll talk to whether it's the school counselor or the principal or the, you know, community member who, you know, we're working with to come into a new community, um, we do have an opportunity to survey girls just to find out in advance, like, what are the issues they're facing and, um, and really try to get a handle on maybe what sequence of programming they'd like to have us uh, do. And every time we do this survey, without a doubt, and we have opportunities for them to provide comments, that's the number one thing we hear is girls saying, I don't like who I am. I find, yeah, I don't like me. Um, and, and if we do nothing else, it's fixing that. I wonder what you think is the single biggest challenge facing 
girls today? I can answer that question because we asked girls. Okay. Yes. Um, our national office uh, did a survey across the country where we asked girls, parents, and, and educators um, what issues they, you know, what, what issues they think are most important facing girls. And the, there were five that rose to the top, but the number one issue across girls, parents, and educators was um, harassment and violence that girls experience. So um, on that note, uh, in October, so just this past October in 2018, we launched um, a campaign called Hashtag Girls 2. And this was on the anniversary of the hashtag Me Too campaign that went viral back in um, October of 2017. And really the purpose of this campaign is to raise awareness about the fact that girls experience sexual harassment and violence um, at the same level, if not even more than women, and it, that it starts young, and that we have an opportunity to try to impact the culture that our girls are growing up in um, by raising awareness about this and also um, looking at uh, opportunities to change. I, I guess what comes up to me in hearing that is, you know, having identified as a, as a man and have done a lot of men's work uh, as a facilitator and also as a client, I'm curious to know where, if anywhere, mm -hmm. is it appropriate for you to collaborate and integrate some of the work you're doing with the girls into the, into the world of other folks? Because mm -hmm. you're mentioning like how they're, they're impacted negatively by other people, mm -hmm. adults and otherwise. Where does that start to happen? Yeah, um, you know, for us, you know, very practically, when we work with girls in our after school setting, we get them for an hour and a half to two hours a week, right? Wow. So it's, it's the place for them to come and sort of, you know, recharge and, and um, process and get support um, from each other. But then they really are going back into, you know, their day-to-day -day community with the lessons they've learned um, and with voices that they may not have had before. Right. You know, and it happens, uh, I mean, I can't tell you how, like we have a program called Girls Council, um, which is essentially our girls leadership body. So we have um, 15 girls that serve as our, you know, essentially our board of direct, you know, our girl board of directors each year. And, um, you know, in the process of doing that, I had this one young woman who in fifth grade had um, been diet, you know, she had gone through all these health related issues. She had gained a lot of weight because of the medication that she was on and her classmates bullied her excessively, you know, that, um, for, you know, the changes that she had experienced. Um, and, you know, in the course of going through our program at the end of the year, uh, when I, you know, had checked in with her to see, you know, like, how are things going? You know, how was your experience being on girls council? You know, she came back to us and told us, you know, after having gone through that leadership program, my, you know, I changed to the point that my class ended up electing me to be the speaker for the fifth grade graduation. Um, and I think that that's the, you know, the point, like, yeah, we only get the girls for an hour and a half, two hours. I'd love them for more, trust me. Um, but it really is an opportunity for the girls then to go back into their communities um, and start being the change agents themselves. That's one thing for sure. We also, as you, you know, um, as I was mentioning earlier, you know, on an advocacy arm, you know, right now we have a broad awareness campaign um, that is nationwide and people can go to the hashtag girls to, um, microsite to learn about it and um, there are resources there for 
parents, uh, students, and also educators um, and community members. Um, but um, we're also doing a teen talk here in Portland, um, and we'll have a panel of teens. We've invited state legislators um, as, as well as um, actually we've invited our federal uh, representatives as well to come um, and be able to interact with the teens and really start digging into um, learning about the changes the teens would like to see um, and having the legislators hear about these changes directly from the teens. Can you give me some more success stories along these lines? Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. Um, so actually, I, um, I'm going to relate that one to some of the work that we're doing around hashtag girls too. And it happened actually before we launched the campaign. Um, but we um, uh, had an opportunity for our girls to um, testify at the Oregon legislature around, um, so it was a piece of legislation that was focused on um, requiring school districts to have um, curriculum and policy in place uh, to uh, promote healthy relationships among teens. You know, and coming back to that fact, seven in 10 girls are sexually harassed at school um, uh, by the time they're in high school, and one in four will have been uh, experienced sexual violence. So, I mean, this, you know, this is playing out on our campuses at school. Um, so the girls had, um, our Girls Council girls, um, it was a very, it was a last minute request to come down to the legislature to um, testify on behalf of this legislation. And I you know, called up, I had three girls and um, called them up and, you know, we hopped in the car and we drove down and we got there to the committee hearing and on the way to the committee hearing and I was talking to the girls about what they were going to be doing, they said, um, and I didn't pick these girls knowing this, but each one of the girls already, and they were seventh grade girls, had already had an experience of sexual harassment or violence um, themselves at their schools. Um, and when we got to the committee hearing, they were able to share their personal stories about what had happened. Um, and you know, the, it, was, it was one of these situations where there were, there were four people, um, four legislators at the committee hearing, two men, two women. And unfortunately, um, this older man looked down at the girls after they'd finished testifying and said, thank you so much for coming. This legislation has no chance of passing. And... It, and the thing is that the minute he verbalized that, one of the female legislators, it just like she snapped and she was like, OK, these girls were brave enough to come down here and testify. I, and she literally stood up and said that that is not going to happen. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> and she, you know, called him on it right there in front of him. So it passed through committee. And a week later, our girls were at the governor's office signing the legislation with the governor. Um, yes. So they, you know, these girls got to really see like firsthand how, you know, their voice mattered on something and to see it actually turn into law. And how symbolic too, standing up in the face of, you know, an old white male I know. Who, who, you know, trying to, trying to talk down to them, probably physically was sitting above them, I'm guessing. Them. He was. Mm -hmm. And yep. telling them some sort of absolutism, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, no, they were they were pretty excited. Wow, <laughs> when it all came down. Well, so that is more or less the microcosm, the the example of the triumph that you're hoping mm -hmm. will happen. Yeah, it is. Um, I right now, the thing that I will say, um, and this is maybe my own personal bias, but 
um, I really um, value and cherish like the little wins that happen every day with our girls. You know, I think that there is a tendency to want to see, oh, you know, somebody who graduated from college and went off and, you know, is now CEO of, you know, X company. And that is surely important. Um, but for us, um, we're, we're really working with our girls to define what leadership is for them, what success is for them. And, um, you know, and it, and, and it doesn't have to wait until they get to the end point. You know, I want to celebrate, you know, the successes that they're having, you know, in their daily lives, because I think that those build upon each other. Right. Because I could imagine if you got too much of your agenda, it just becomes another source of disempowerment. Exactly. Our whole thing is really about meeting girls where they are. Um, And we say that every day, you know, we don't, we're not placing our expectations on them at all. Um, And it even comes out in our philosophy that, um, you know, when I was explaining our mission statement, girls, um, we inspire girls to be strong, smart, and bold. We fundamentally believe that girls are strong, smart, and bold. Like we're not giving them that, um, you know, we're helping them access what already exists inside them. Yeah. And I'm sure helping them recognize mm-hmm. how to, rem- how to work with the obstacles and the yes. reinforcements that keep those, those qualities from mm-hmm. being at the forefront. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, and um, you know, it's something that we make sure is, you know, um, when we think about, you know, our work with girls, um, we really, um, because we, you know, being as old as we are as an organization, we have so many different curricula and programs and, you know, different affiliates are doing different things. Um, but we, a few years ago as a network really stepped back to say, what is it that we do that um, is unique and is a way to describe all of these different programs that we do with girls. And the way we have framed it is that um, there's a combination of three things that really, uh, no matter you know, where a girl is in the country, she's going to get these three things at Girls Inc. And that's one is a pro-girl um, uh, environment. You know, she is going to step into a space that is not just safe for a girl, but it is really celebrating what it means to be a girl. Um, and the second element is really this idea that um, she will be building trusting, mentoring relationships with everybody she encounters in that pro-girl space. And then the third component um, does have to do with the unique programs that we have developed, um, these intentional uh, compensatory um, gender-specific programs, um, you know, with all of the curriculum that we have. And so all three of these things have to come together um, when we're working with girls. So here's a narrative that I've carried, and, and I think it's largely come about from listening to uh, women. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to know if, if you share this or, or you can certainly challenge it, obviously. But it seems like our Western culture, at least, uh, really helps to breed competition. Oh, yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and sort of competition, not in a good way, and in like, in like a way of creating scarcity amongst Absolutely. girls and women. So. I think you were just speaking to that a little bit now in terms of being pro-girls, right? Can you speak to how you address that? For sure. Um, the one thing that I will say is I hear it all this time of, you know, oh, girls are so mean to girls. You know, girls are so mean. Girls are so, you know, terrible to each other. And, 
um, you know, it plays out in so many different ways. And it's part of all of these messages that girls are getting, you know, in, you know, all throughout their daily lives. Um, and, um, you know, and then, you, you know, that translates into girls saying like, uh, and we get, a, we hear a lot of this from girls that enter our girls in space of, um, I didn't think I could be friends with other girls. And I showed up at Girls Inc. thinking, maybe I'll give girls one more chance, you know, like they, yeah, exactly. So we, you know, we get that a lot. Um, You know, I think there's also, to your point about scarcity, some of the messages that girls are getting is that they have to, you know, they have to compete against each other for boys' attention. They have to compete to be the prettiest. They have to compete to be the smartest. Um, You know, there's a whole other element of this, which is around the whole supergirl dilemma and the pressures that we're putting on girls to be perfect, Mm. um, you know, whatever that means. And um, so this is all playing out. And then, you know, and I hear this from women all the time, you know, um, about like, um, you know, if there's a, you know, and it was actually a woman who was a, a musician and she was, you know, pretty famous and, you know, she'd go on these, um, you know, sort of um, uh, like concert tours and, you know, where a, a group of bands would go and it would always be, there'd be a spot for one female band, right? And she's like, what, you know, and so then they're all terrible to each other fighting for that one spot when they, you know, really should be working together. And um, so I think one of the things that um, we certainly acknowledge that in our programming and we do have um, some curriculum that addresses it specifically, um, and yet at the same time, um, everything that we're doing, regardless of the curriculum is reinforcing the idea of, um, working, you know, acknowledging, you know, not every girl is going to be best friends with every other girl, but we certainly can be allies for each other. Um, we do have a program called allies in action that is, uh, specifically focused on helping girls identify what relational aggression is um, and, um, and giving girls opportunities to practice conflict resolution. Um, and that is a hugely uh, a popular program um, amongst uh, the girls that we serve and also uh, certainly the schools that we're in as well because um, these issues, um, relational aggression starts as young as second grade and um, peaks in fourth grade and carries all the way through seventh and eighth grade. Gosh, yeah. Mm-hmm. hearing all that sort of makes my heart ache and sing at the same time. <laughs> uh, wow. Yes. So, okay. It's wonderful that you're, that you're tackling that. Um, trying to, for trying sure. To. Well, at least, at least sort of like shining a light on it. Right. And yeah. I'm curious to know to the best of your knowledge, mm-hmm. like who are the women who are the contemporary women that these girls are looking up to. Oh, Michelle Obama. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, without a doubt, she is uh, always being called out by our girls for sure. Um, and we were very fortunate. Um, you know, Michelle uh, came through the Pacific Northwest um, recently. A couple weeks and, ago. Yeah. yeah and um, I was actually in Seattle while, when she was in Portland, but we had a group of our girls, the, um, the, founda- the Obama Foundation gave uh, 10 tickets for our girls to go see her. And I mean, I mean, the tears, I mean, it was literally life-changing for them, you know, to see um, a black woman in, you know, in her position. And she, I mean, all the girls could talk about was just how relatable she is. I mean, <sighs> Yeah. You know, like she's so down to earth and just so gracious and amazing and warm. Um, so she's a huge, huge um, role model for the girls, for sure. I mean, that's that's like a double 
edged feedback, I think, uh, and that's probably the wrong word, but I, I think I want women listening to this to recognize how far being warm and accessible can go mm-hmm. with, with power, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. It's almost, it's almost like, you know, I don't know what type of person Michelle Obama is. I want to believe she's high integrity and mm-hmm. I hope she is in a lot of ways. And at the same time, just the fact that she can have her feet on the ground and be a somewhat accessible mm-hmm. being just goes so far. Well, when she shares her story, I mean, she, you know, grew up south side of Chicago and, you know, and, you know, and obviously has risen to this, you know, exalted position, but she's still the little girl from south side Chicago. And that's what the girls see when they hear her talk. She hasn't lost her humility. She hasn't lost her self and where she's from. Mm -hmm. Who who else did they get into? Beyonce. Beyonce. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. She's a big one. Uh, for sure. What is it that mm-hmm. they, what is it yeah. that they admire? Oh, um, I, you know, I think that, um, the messages that she has in her songs just of, you know, women empowerment and, um, and, um, you know, it was actually not this year, but last year for the international day of the girl, which is a, um, day that we celebrate um, in our communities with our girls. Um, she actually did a whole video um, that she put together um, in commemoration of that. And when the girls saw it, they were just like, oh my gosh, she actually cares about the issues that we're um, grappling with. And, and she's just so cool. <laughs> she is. And I, I, I don't know much about her, but it seems like every time I hear mm-hmm. about something she's doing, it has a higher level of consciousness than herself attached to it as well. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, so she's definitely a big role model for the girls as well. And then it, you know, from there, I would say um, it sort of devolves into based on what their interests are. Right. You know, yeah. um, Mindy Kaling was another big one mm. um, for sure. Mm-hmm. And especially with Mindy, um, you know, she has a strong interest in promoting STEM. Um, you know, and so that is definitely also an area that um, is important, you know, when we're promoting that with the girls that we're working with as well, um, especially when you think about, um, you know, the future and where good um, high paying jobs are going to be. If our girls are locked out of STEM uh, professions and careers, uh, we're doing them a disservice. Stacey Abrams is a new favorite. <laughs> so there's a lot, you know, and obviously AOC, you know. Yeah, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Well, I was wondering about that. It's funny. I, I just happened to hear a snippet. Um, the women's basketball final four is happening this week. And mm-hmm. they were interview, interviewing the head coach at Notre Dame. And she's, she's one of the longest tenured women's basketball head coaches in the country, I think. And they asked her about the importance of, for lack of a better word, like the, the experience of modeling in the world for her women mm-hmm. the power of being a woman and mm-hmm. she's saying i i she's like record she's talking about the fact that the amendment for equal rights in um the equal rights amendment thank you correct yes it is still not passed technically We're doing it right now right here's yeah. <laughs> the ignorance of of the patriarchy but as she was saying you know we've had record number of elected female mm-hmm. officials and we're still at like 23% in the house and 25% in the Congress. And she said, I'm really tired of it being a novelty. Right. No, I mean, it, uh, I mean, I am celebrating 
the election of Chicago, you know, the first black female mayor, you know, in Chicago. And at the same time, I am appalled that it is 2019 and it's the first black female mayor of a major city in the United States. Right. I mean, it just seems insane. Right. So there's this energy of let's celebrate progress, but also not have this like, oh, let's just be thankful to get the scraps at the table. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah, no, we're we're just scratching the surface, you know. Right. So these young women of color in Congress are shaking things up and mm-hmm. it's cool that the younger generation is sort of like get to experience that as they rise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. All right. So I want to ask about how best people can support you. Well, so depending on where you are situated, you can go to the girlsinc.org website and And there's an opportunity on that website to look for a local affiliate. Um, And um, it will route you to that local affiliate for sure. Um, I also would encourage people to go um, to the hashtag girls Two site uh, to learn more about the awareness campaign and also to access resources that we have available for um, the community. The um, thing that I would say here locally in the Pacific Northwest, um, our website, um, which is, girlsincpnw.org is where people can go to um, find out more about either, you know, if it's a parent looking to um, get their daughter into programming or a caregiver looking for um, resources for girls. Um, We also, and I haven't really talked about this very much, but um, we rely on volunteers um, extensively. Um, And we have a whole range of volunteer opportunities available from one time to two to three times to, you know, as much as a whole year um, working with our girls. And we provide um, significant training and support uh, for volunteers to be able to uh, work with us uh, in partnership. And um, so for sure, we always need that. And of course, none of this happens without financial support as well. Is there anything I haven't asked about or that you haven't been able to speak about that you'd love to share? Um, I think the main thing is that in the communities that we serve um, in Oregon and Washington, we will be holding um, International Day of the Girls celebrations in October, which, um, you know, we really sort of, you know, hone in on that month and basically say, this is the month that, you know, we're really going to focus on um, celebrating girls and also raising awareness in our communities about the issues that girls continue to face and what we can do as a community to support girls. Um, so I definitely would encourage people to look for um, those events coming up in October. Do you have social media presence that people can check into? Absolutely. On Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> All right. Wow. You're yes. busy. Yeah. <laughs> and just Girls Inc. on those? Yeah. Search Girls Inc. Yeah. Uh, Girls Inc. PNW for us and then for Girls you. Inc. Yeah. But um, I really appreciate the opportunity to connect with you. Um, you know, I think that for us, um, really being able to uh, talk to the, you know, and share with the community what we're doing, I feel like we're still like sometimes still the best kept secret. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. I was just going to ask, I mean, what is it that you most hope people see about what you're doing or like, you know, what's the awakening that you most hope can happen? Yeah. Culturally? I mean, You know, I really, I think that understanding too, and this is, you know, something um, else that we sort of touched upon, but, um, you know, we've made, we have, we've made a lot of progress in terms of opportunities for girls and women. You know, I mean, you think back to the seventies, women couldn't even get credit cards in their own names. Like we've made a ton of progress and in, but 
you know, and like inequality in other areas, whether it's wealth or whatever, um, there has, you know, there are some girls that, you know, are doing better, but for girls of color and girls living in poverty, they have not experienced the same um, benefits from, you know, the equality that we're experiencing. And so really, you know, for the community to understand that there has been, um, you know, that some of our girls really are being left behind um, and, um, you know, that we, you know, can work together to make sure that that doesn't happen. Elizabeth Nye, Executive Director of Girls Inc., thank you so much for your time. And I'm so excited to support what you're doing and thanks for everything you're doing for the world. Great, thank you so much, Jesse. To find out more about Elizabeth's work, go to girlsincpnw.org or girlsinc.org. My question for you is this. If you assume that every person you met had some level of questioning their belonging in this world, how might that change your approach to being with them? This has been the Supergivers Podcast, and I'm your host and producer, Jesse Johnson. To hear past episodes, you'll find the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. If you're inspired enough to write a brief review on one of those platforms, please do. They help this podcast become more visible. You can learn more about me and my equine-based leadership work at supergivers.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you.